Ladies and gentlemen of the congregation, welcome to another episode of the Motorsport Ministry, your home for all hot takes, news, and other things revolving around the racing world. This is episode number 91, so we are officially, I guess you could call it in the countdown to 100, I guess is what we're going to call it. Nine to go before that coveted episode 100 mark, and we got something special planned for that episode, so stay tuned, we're not that far away from it. But in today's episode, we're going to be talking about Max Verstappen winning his second Formula One World Championship. We'll be talking about NASCAR and really what they have, they've got their work cut out for them this offseason. Then we'll be giving you guys our race weekend rankings and our verse of the week. So with all that being said, let's begin. So, I want to state something. And what I'm about to state, I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't think... This is an overreaction to what I'm about to say. Max Verstappen could easily, in my opinion, go down as not one of, but the greatest Formula One driver of all time. Like I previously stated, this is not an overreaction. I truly believe that Max Verstappen could go down as F1's all-time greatest driver. Now you might be thinking to yourself, how is Verstappen going to catch up to Lewis's seven championships and 103 or something wins? You know, how is he going to even catch up to someone like Michael Schumacher? Well, name me one driver that has accomplished what Max Verstappen has done so far at his age. You can't. He has accomplished more than Lewis by this age. He's accomplished more than Michael Schumacher more than Vettel, well, probably around the same as Vettel, honestly, but you get where I'm coming from. Listen to what Max has accomplished in Formula 1 since he entered the sport back in 2015. He's a two-time champion, back-to-back -back years this year and next. He's gotten 32 wins under his belt, which is tied for six on the all-time wins list. Only behind, you know, tied with Fernando Alonso, who many people consider as one of, if not the greatest F1 driver Currently, and he only has, and he has the exact same stat line as Max. 74 podiums, which is 8th all-time. 21 fastest laps. That's outside the top 10, though Max could easily get himself into the top 10 in that category. And currently this year, he has 12 wins in a season, which is 2nd all-time. And he could easily put, put that to number 1. Still have four races to go, and he's only one away from tying the all-time, which is held by Vettel and Michael Schumacher. So he could easily make this year the most dominant season just in history of Formula 1 in terms of winning the title and winning the most races. And I know we beat this topic to death, but folks, we got to remember that he's only 25 years old. That is the reason why I say that he could easily go down as the greatest F1 driver of all time. Because he's still so young. He's only four years older than I am. And he's out there already a two-time champion with 32 wins. He'll have a decade's worth of Formula 1 experience before he hits his 30s. And usually when a driver hits their 30s when it comes to auto racing is when they hit their prime. So you can argue Verstappen isn't even in his prime yet by most driver's standards. 
But let's say that, you know, oh, Max Verstappen, he's not going to keep this trajectory for at least the next five to ten years. There's no way. Drivers are going to come out and, you know, basically end his reign. Let me ask you a question. And let's be honest here. We talk about or we hear a lot from the F1 media and from drivers in the industry that because of how these cars are designed, they're basically going to be more or less the same for the coming years. So if these cars are basically going to be more or less the same, not that many changes, who's going to stop Max for the next 5 to 10 years? That's a genuine question. Mercedes? They're already on the back foot. They can't even get one of their drivers to win a race. And one of their drivers is arguably the greatest of all time. At least in my opinion, it's the greatest of all time. Charles Leclerc? Yeah, he's probably the closest to being able to match Max. But... Ferrari, even with a, arguably a faster car than Red Bull, for lack of a better term, they're incompetent. You don't believe me? Look at the entire season to, for examples. And even if it's not due to Ferrari, Leclerc makes too many mistakes. And at this rate, it's not because of experience. That's just who he is as a driver. He's a driver that's going to make multiple mistakes. Sergio Perez? He's a clear number two at Red Bull. You really think they're going to let Perez outduel Verstappen in the championship? Unless Paris goes out and wins the first three races of any given season, that's going to be Max's. That's going to be Max's driver number one to lose. Carlos Sainz, assuming he could stay with Ferrari beyond next year. So, you see, I just named you the drivers and the teams who would be most likely to beat Max, and I've given you all reasons to why they can't beat him. Because let's be honest here, folks, McLaren aren't going to be contenders anytime soon. Alpine is nowhere near contention. And who are the other teams in the sport? AlphaTauri, who's Red Bull's junior. Williams, who's lucky to finish in the points once every five races. And Haas. Do you see where I'm getting at here? And to go back to what I was saying about Max could easily be one of the greatest drivers of all time. Or excuse me, the greatest driver of all time. So, we already know the stat lines. You need to have overall, you need to basically beat Lewis's 100 plus wins, 100 plus podiums, seven championships, etc. Let's say Max, let's say if Max races another 12 years, so 20, so let's say he'd have 20 seasons under his belt at that time. And let's say he keeps up this trajectory, which, which is, we'll put out a baseline of 12 wins. X amount of podiums, whatever. I didn't say he was going to win every single championship for the next 12 years because, number one, that's just not going to happen. So I gave it the benefit of the doubt. So let's say in 12 years, his stat line would be as follows. 80 wins, 185 podiums, and 5 titles. You know what the scary part about that is? He'd still be only 37 years old. And I could easily see Max getting these stat lines. I could see him getting 185 podiums. I could see him getting 80 plus wins. I could see him getting over five championships. You know, five championships is probably me underselling him. In my opinion, that's enough to put you in the go conversation. Why wouldn't it be? And folks, let's say, like I said, even only after 12 years, he'd still be 37 years old. He could still race until he's in his 40s. And that's those stats that I mentioned, albeit hypothetical, they would go higher. Now, 
will his career be that linear? No, it won't. It's never that linear. If Driver's career would be as linear as what I mentioned, Lewis would already have eight championships right now, and he would not be what looks like to be having his first winless season in F1. And Vettel wouldn't just drop off the face of a cliff after winning four straight titles. But he's extremely young. He still is extremely young, and he's only 25 years old. He still has at least the next 15 years until he hits his 40s. So he still has arguably at least 15 years in the sport left in him. He's young. He's extremely talented. You don't win back-to-back championships before you're 20, while you're 25 if you don't have a shred of talent. And his team is behind him. I mean, think about it. Why, don't, why do you think they went to get a guy like Sergio Perez and they didn't stick with a guy like Alex Albon or, you know, Pierre Gasly? Because they know they needed a quality number two to complement Max Verstappen. Because let's be honest here, folks. Do you really think that if Verstappen would have won the 2021 title or 22 title, had he had Alex Albon or Pierre Gasly as his teammates? You can argue no. You need a quality number two. In the same way that in the NFL, if you could be a great quarterback, but you still need a competent wide receiver to compliment you. I mean, we're seeing that this year with Aaron Rodgers, for crying out loud. Just like with a driver in F1, a great driver number one still needs at least a quality number two to back him up. And we're seeing that. So, congrats to Max Verstappen on winning the 2022 Formula One World Championship. Well earned, well deserved. He's been close to flawless all season long, and, I mean, you can even put what I'm about to say to end off this segment as my verse of the week, even though it won't be, but if you had to come up with your own, it would be the Verstappen dynasty, in my opinion, is here to stay. Alright, so I put this on Twitter last night where I talked about how this episode of the, you know, the ministry, it's basically going to be the tale of Two different, I guess, themes, if you would. One, we were praising a driver for being arguably one of the best of his generation, if not of all time in the sport. Now, we're going to have a topic that's basically on the other side of the spectrum. But not about a driver, more about a series. Though Though I will say this, I won't be bashing them, more or less pointing out the flaws. So NASCAR has a lot of work to do this offseason. I don't think that's an understatement in any in any definition of the word. And I'm not just talking about the next-gen safety. We already know what NASCAR needs to do to fix the next-gen car for safety reasons, and they're already working on that. They were working on that last week for crying out loud, and most likely probably sooner. But I'm not just talking about the next-gen safety. Because it feels like there's something wrong with a lot of things going on in the sport. And I mean a lot. It's not just an next-gen safety like I just mentioned. You don't believe me? Listen to what I'm about to list. And the things I'm about to list, they're not just little itty-bitty. They're not, you know, the little things that add up to something big. They're a bunch of big things that add up to something, something grander. Officiating. In my opinion, it's at an all-time bad. Texas, Daytona, even the Roval with the sign on the track. Horrible officiating. I made a whole segment about it a couple episodes ago, which you could go back and check that out. But I mentioned how 
the officiating is at an all-time bad. And if I'm NASCAR, I'm finding where David Hoots is, and I'm paying him whatever money he asks for. Because that's how bad it is. Maybe it's not as bad as the roughing on the passer problems with the NFL, but it's damn near close. Parts failures. Listen, I know that this has been an issue beaten to death, especially these past during the playoffs, but folks, you can argue that five out of the eight eliminations that have happened so far in the playoffs are due to parts and tire failures. And if you really want to go in deep into it, you can argue six. I mean, let's be honest here, folks. There's been only two eliminations so far in the playoffs that have been because of pure speed or mistakes by the driver and team. Austin Dillon and Austin Sendrick. I guess the Austins just didn't come prepared for the playoffs. And you can argue that Kyle Larson. Now granted, Kyle Larson, he hit the wall and that's how he broke the tolling. But then you can also make the argument that aren't these next-gen cars supposed to be more durable? So why is he breaking a toe-link after hitting the wall? But... That's more of a driver mistake than I feel than a car mistake, so I'll leave it at the 5 out of 8. Though you can make an argument, it's 6 out of 8. And, listen, I had a buddy who went to the Roval race this past weekend. And, you know, he said that the racing was just bad. And I'm not just going to take his word for it, because he said he was basically getting bored during the entire race. The most entertainment he had in the race was he was making fun of his Denny Hamlin fan, or his Denny Hamlin friend who's a, you know, who's a Denny Hamlin fan, basically the entire day. That was the most entertainment he had before all the cautions came out. But that brings up to another issue. The road courses and the short tracks, they're not good. Yeah, the mile and a half are good besides Texas, but then again, nothing's going to fix Texas. But, I mean, you can't create third lanes at super speedways anymore. The short tracks are duds. The road courses are duds. So, there's a quality of racing issue also. Drivers. They're, unha they're as unhappy as ever. I mean, NASCAR said they're going to have weekly meetings with the drivers for the rest of the year, but the first one they had this past weekend, from what it sounded like, it sounded more just like the drivers ranting at NASCAR and letting off steam rather than a productive meeting. But can you blame the drivers? NASCAR's basically been ignoring them not just this entire season, but ever since this next gen started getting into development two years ago. So drivers are as unhappy as ever, and they have every right to be so. TV ratings, all-time low for the playoffs. It was just a, the TV ratings just came out for the Roval race. I believe they're down by like 3, 4, I think as high as 6%. Every playoff race so far this year has seen a decrease in comparable viewership. I mean by that, I mean races that weren't canceled or postponed due to rain. All-time playoff lows. Now, from everything I just said, I know what I'm saying is basically sounds like NASCAR is in a doom and gloom situation, that the sport is at an all-time low. And in many ways, you can argue it is. From at least a moral perspective. From a moral perspective, this sport feels like it's at an all-time low. And I understand that NASCAR can't fix most of these or all of these overnight because that would just be unfair to expect them to you know fix every single issue in the span of 24 hours and to be fair 
to give credit where credit is due, because I like giving people credit where credit is due. It's never fair just to completely bash something and then, you know, just ignore all the positivity. NASCAR has made strides in some of these aspects that I just mentioned. Want to talk about safety? I mean, they just had a crash test for new rear clips, and I think it's a new bumper design, rear bumper design, for 2023. And it turned out to be successful, and they will implement that in 2023. And even the drivers said, from what they've seen, it seems safer. It's not as safe as the previous car, but at least they're getting a step in the right direction for this car. So there's an improvement. And even for something like all the parts and tire failures. We still need to understand at least a little bit. I'm not saying these failures are acceptable. We should just sweep them under the rug. But also, we need to keep in mind, this is still year one of a brand spanking new car. New chassis, new parts. The only thing that's the same, essentially, is the engine that they use and the drivers behind the wheel. So, year two should see massive improvement, in my opinion, for a lot of these parts and pieces. Because the manufacturers will have a whole year under their belt, and I guarantee you they're working on it currently to fix a lot of these problems with these pieces. So they are making strides in some of these aspects. However, some aren't going to be changed overnight. Some are going to take a little bit of time. And by a little bit of time, I mean some of these issues will probably have to be changed as far away as the next TV deal. I talked about the TV ratings. NASCAR needs to find a way to condense the season. It's a must. You need to. Because at this point, I don't think, oh, should we, could we? No, you have to. When your final 10 races, when your final 10 race stretched for the championship battle, arguably the 10 most important weeks of the entire season, minus the Daytona 500, but arguably the 10 most important races in the entire season are among the worst viewership-wise, that's, that's, that's an issue. That's an issue that needs to be fixed. And in my opinion, I don't think it's a playoff issue. Because look, 3-plus million people were still watching these races as, you know, not as far back as 2019. So they will watch. But listen, you're never going to win against the NFL. You can maybe win against a league like the MLB or the NBA, but you're never, ever going to beat the NFL. Especially because NASCAR's ending is when the NFL's beginning. I mean, let's be honest here, folks. NASCAR's, I mean, let's be honest here, folks. What is going to be more valuable to people? People who are like, oh, I can't wait to watch the end of this championship. Or football fans who have been waiting since February to watch some football. You see where I'm coming at here? It's a massive issue. So, they need to find a way to really condense this schedule. However, while some of these issues, like I mentioned with the TV ratings, need to be addressed, won't be addressed until, you know, at least a couple years from now, some of these issues need to be fixed immediately. They need immediate fixing. Officiating. A new team, a new officiating team is needed. I stand by this. I don't know if they have full-time officiators or not, but... They need a completely new team. Because the people who are currently up there officiating these races, they are not qualified for the job. And they either need to find somewhere else in the sport or find a new job entirely. But they are not qualified from the from what I've seen to officiate this sport. Maybe you get the people in the Xfinity Series to officiate the Cup race. I mean, Xfinity and Trucks don't really have like, officiating issues. Put them in the Cup Series. 
See how they do. Racing at road courses and short tracks, they need to fix that by 2023. Whether it's by getting rid of the diffuser, increasing horsepower, whatever, they need to find a way to get it fixed. And even if it's not fixed, just change something. Show us the fans, show the media, show the drivers, show everybody that you're trying to fix, that you're trying to do something different. Don't try out the same package. If you do, a lot of people are going to lose faith. Especially next year when you have the Chicago Street Course and North Wilkesboro being added to the schedule, you cannot have duds at road courses and street courses next year. Because if you do, then you can kiss North Wilkesboro goodbye, and you can kiss North the Fairgrounds, Nashville Fairgrounds goodbye as well. Because no one's going to go watch those races if this car cannot produce. And it really sucks also because this season has taken a turn for the worse, it seems, in my opinion. I mean, it really feels like after the Daytona race in August, it seems like there's been one issue after another. But, like I said, NASCAR has a busy offseason ahead of them. And they got a lot on their plate. And I do not envy anybody who's currently working in the top levels of NASCAR to fix these issues. But, I will end this segment off on a high note. NASCAR has made improvements to do what they need to do. They've improved the safety of the car for 2023, it seems. You know, if they're going to do that, which is arguably the most important part, I think they could get it done. However, they also have a lot of things that they also need to fix. Things like the quality of racing, things such as TV ratings, making the drivers happy. They got a lot of work ahead of them during this offseason, and hopefully by 2023, we could put a lot of these issues behind us. Alright, you guys know what time it is. It is time for our race weekend ranking sponsored by Johnny B's Barbershop. If you live in the South Florida area in desperate need of a haircut, head over to Johnny B's Barbershop on Davy Road Extension and Sterling Road. Rob, Johnny, Will, and the rest of the crew will not only give you the best haircut you've ever received, but a friendly atmosphere that you do not get at any other barbershops or any big barber chains. So head over to Johnny B's Barbershop once again on Davy Road Extension and Sterling Road and tell them that I sent you. So we got three races to go over today. We got the Cup and Xfinity Series races at the Charlotte Roval, and then we got Formula One at the Japanese Grand Prix. So without any further ado, let's begin. Kicking things off at the bottom of our list for number three, I'm going to give it to the Charlotte Roval race for the Cup Series. Best moment of the race for me. I'm going to give it to Christopher Bell's drive towards the end. Listen, he had a walk-off win, and we haven't really seen many of those happen, especially in this playoff era, but Christopher Bell in a must-win situation did something different toward, I believe it was the second-to-last caution. He put tires on, knew he was going to have to start a little farther back, but he knew it was either he does something different, try to win the race, or he goes home doing the same thing. He did something different. He passed Kevin Harvick on that final restart and managed to win the race and lock himself into the round of eight. Worst moment for me, I'm going to give it to the parts issues that basically eliminated Daniel Suarez and Kyle Larson. I mean, I mentioned that Larson's issue was more self-inflicted because he hit the wall. But then again, you can make that argument. The next-gen car is supposed to be more durable. So why is Larson breaking a toe link after hitting the wall? And then Daniel Suarez, I mean, just a power steering issue. He did everything he needed to do to advance to the next round. However, a power steering issue dropped him all the way down the field, and that ended up knocking him out of the playoffs. And this is a race that I'm not going to give a WTF moment for. But overall, 
this felt like the road course version of the Texas race. And what do I mean by that? The racing, the entirety of the time was just bad. It was poor. It was not something fun to watch. Again, I had a friend who was at the race, and he said that he was bored most of the time. And then towards the end, when all the cautions come out, pretty much you saw, quote-unquote, the 40 best drivers in the world turn into like they're racing at their local go-kart track. It was a farce. I never want to see a race like that again. So I'm giving this race a 3 out of 10. Number 2, sandwiched in between the podium, I'm giving it to the Japanese Grand Prix. Best moment of the race for me, I'm going to give it to Max Verstappen winning his second championship. Now granted, there's a little bit of a confusion, especially whether it was half points being awarded or full points, whatever. It's kind of a shame that both of Max Verstappen's championships have been won due to some form of controversy by the officiating of Formula 1. However, back-to-back -back championship fully deserved, and like I said, I think Verstappen's going to be very hard to stop in these next couple seasons. Worst moment for me, I'm going to give it to the Carlos Sainz crash towards the beginning of the race. It was violent, it was in the wet, you never want to see a driver go through a crash like that, and those are never fun to see. My WTF moment of the race, I'm going to give it to the crane on track. Listen, Pierre Gasly went off on it, Lando Norris went up back on it, went off on it, but why is there a crane on the track when drivers are, you know, cars are still going around the track? That's a safety issue. You cannot have that happen on track. And it seems like Formula, this is the second time something like that has happened in Formula 1. So it seems like the FIA have not learned. Hopefully they will eventually before someone ends up getting injured. But you cannot have something like this happen. And that is my WTF moment of the race. And I want to say this, just because it's a WTF moment, that doesn't necessarily mean it's good or bad. It can qualify as anything. WTF just means that what that basically what did I just witness? Whether that's for good or bad reasons. But overall, the race was okay. You had a lot of passing throughout the field, but I mean, Verstappen wasn't going to be touched. Leclerc couldn't even really do that much against Sergio Perez, and he he threw the championship away basically. Though he was never going to win it regardless. So this is a race I'm going to give a 5 out of 10. But there could only be one number one. And on the top step of the podium for the race weekend rankings this week goes to the Xfinity Series race at the Charlotte Roval. Best moment of the race for me, I'm going to give it to AJ Allmendinger's celebration. Listen, there's no driver currently, at least in my opinion, in the cup, in really any series, that celebrates like AJ Allmendinger. Every win he gets is a celebration to watch. I really hope he wins the championship just because I want to see the passion and enthusiasm that comes out of his face if he manages to win the Xfinity Series championship. Will he? I'm looking like an idiot right now for not putting him in my Final Four, but hey, that's one. That's a wrong that I would have no problem getting. Worst moment of the race for me, I'm going to give it to the big one before the overtime restart. Just because you don't want to see cars like that, having the damage, all those issues, and really because, listen, I'm not an insider in the sport, and I've heard from multiple people that every spot does pay that much difference in the race, but it was back in the pack. Why are they? Why are these mid-packers making so many daring moves? And it costs, you know, Riley Hurst, who was in a decent spot to advance, a shot at making the round of eight. Was he going to win the championship? Most likely not, but big one, you never want to see it for, you know, in my opinion, dubious circumstances. And this is another one where there is no WTF moment of the race for me. But it was a very competitive race. Gregson, Almondinger, Ty Gibbs, you know, there was a battle for the lead throughout the entirety of the race. Battles throughout the pack. It was clear-cut away, in my opinion, the best race of the week. 
So I'm going to give this race a 7 out of 10. And those are your race weekend rankings sponsored by Johnny B's Barbershop. Alrighty, let's end off this episode with our verse of the week. So here it is. From the book of Charlotte, chapter 1, verse 33, our verse of the week is, he'll be verstomping the grid for the next decade. If you guys don't know what that means, obviously it's alluding to Max Verstappen winning his championship, and to what I've been saying basically this entire episode, which is Max Verstappen is going to be, in my opinion, near unstoppable. I really think we're going to see a Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton X dynasty from Max Verstappen for really the next, like I said, the next 10-15 years. So, again, my verse of the week in the Motorsport Manual, Book of Charlotte, Chapter 1, Verse 33, he'll be verstomping the grid for the next decade. And that's Episode 91 in the books. Again, only nine episodes away before we hit that Episode 100 mark. Once again, stay tuned for that because we got something special planned for that episode. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode. If you guys want to listen to all previous episodes of the Motorsport Ministry, you can search us up on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Amazon Music. Those major platforms have our entire back catalog of episodes. And once again, thank you once again to Johnny B's Barbershop for sponsoring this episode. But thank you guys so much for tuning in and... We will see you next time.